0: 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 13. Y'all awake tonight? Oh, a few of you are awake. I'll have to try to wake you up somehow. I, I put some of you to sleep on Sunday. I tried to wake you up, but it was hard. I talked to Brother Randy about it. He said, well, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. And I said, okay. <laughs> oh, bad joke. Brother JB, are you turning older tomorrow? Or is that today? That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. How old are you gonna be? So 51. 51 years old. Wow. Happy birthday, JB. Amen. Anybody else have birthdays this week? Nobody else? He's got it all to himself. Amen. 51 years old. Pray for Wendy. Amen. Uh, I mean <laughs> every day. Amen. Every day. First Corinthians 13. We've been going through on Wednesday night doing our Bible study. And uh, studying through the book of Acts, where you see we're starting tonight in 1 Corinthians, we'll get to Acts here in a few moments. Um, looking at, and our series has been entitled The Church Ablaze. And looking at the, the early church, uh, seeing how God worked, how the Holy Spirit came, how the, the, the sign gifts were given. Um, and one of the things that we we've got to a couple of weeks ago, and I say, I'm talking about our study time. last time we met, actually, on a Wednesday night in this Bible study, um, was about three weeks ago. And so we've had several different activities, events, things that have happened. Um, But we're jumping back into it. And the last one that we looked at was, are tongues for today? Speaking in tongues, is it for today? Um, And we went in depth on that. And then the question is asked, okay, if tongues are not for today, and the next progression of that question is, when did tongues cease? When did they stop? And that's what I want to tackle the next couple of weeks And I want to just say it's because that's what I heard or that's what I was taught. I want to look to the Word of God. It's easy if we'll look at the Word of God and we'll study it properly and break it down. It's not difficult to see when tongues did cease. And I hope that this will be something that will help you. Tonight, we're really going to be doing a lot of laying a foundation for answering that question, but it's needful. For us to properly answer that question, we've got to look at, okay, if it did cease, then why is it still here in 1 Corinthians? Or why are we still seeing it inside these epistles? When did it happen? When did it stop? And so I want us to look tonight and, um, and understand as we look at the Word of God, we need to rightly divide it. We need to understand how to interpret it. We need to put it in proper order to understand it. And the first thing I want to ask you is this, was Paul a charismatic Yes, exactly. That's a good question. Did he speak in tongues? Absolutely he did. I mean, if you want to talk about being charismatic, the Apostle Paul, by definition of using the sign gifts, if that's what you want to define it as, I know it's a broad definition, but he was as charismatic as you possibly could get. He was more charismatic than any charismatic that walks the face of the earth today. He was a man that was so charismatic, he actually, you know, and he spoke to the church at Corinth a lot about the sign gifts, um, and he, he actually told them that Corinth was a church that they that he said in uh, chapter 14, verse 18, that they, that they came behind no other church. In other words, they, they had more, they showed more sign gifts. They weren't behind any other church when it came to sign gifts. When it came to speaking in tongues, they did a lot of it. There was no question about that. It's, actually, it came, became a fault. It was something the Apostle Paul had to address, an issue that was happening there in that church And so there was no church that had more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit than the Corinth church. Yet Paul says that he spoke in tongues more than all of them in chapter 14, verse 18. So the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues. There's no question about that. We have no doubt about that. Now, remember, when we talked about tongues, we covered this in detail. When we're talking about tongues, what type of tongues are we talking about? When we open the Word of God, it talks about tongues. What kind of tongues is it, and what does the word tongues mean? Anybody help me out? We're doing this as a Bible study. It's our Bible study night. I want to delve into it. We want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. What does that word speaking in tongues or tongues mean when we look in the Word of God? Anybody remember? We went into great detail. We looked at the application of throughout the Scripture when you see the word tongues, what the Greek word is, how it's interpreted. Does anybody remember? Brother Randy. Actual language. Yeah, actual language. And it's used as an actual language. It's actually used two different ways. One way is that they spoke with their tongue, actually speaking. The other way that's interpreted is that it was an actual language, or we actually get our word dialect from the Greek word when we speak the word tongues. The word dialect comes from that, speaking in their own dialect. And so we we understand that every place we see in the Bible... When it speaks of speaking in tongues, it's talking about speaking in a known language in the world today, but unknown, uh, unknown to the person that's actually speaking, and it could be a hearing um, miracle, like a, as it was there at Pentecost when when the apostles were preaching and speaking, the people heard it in their own dialect. The Bible says their own tongue, their own language. They heard it. All right, so it was a hearing miracle, and we see that that so it's either hearing it. God allowing you to hear it, or being able to speak, and that's really what we're talking about. People are hearing that in their own language, or they're speaking in a language that they do not know. And, and so therefore, um, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he was saying there needs to be an interpretation, otherwise it's just nothing but noise. People do not understand what you're saying. It needs to be interpreted. And so the Apostle Paul, and what's my point? My point is, is this, the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues. He spoke in tongues more than the church at Corinth, and in the Word of God, the Apostle Paul said of the church at Corinth that there was no other church that exhibited the spiritual gifts, talking about these sign gifts, more than the church at Corinth. And so there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and so n- no one was more, char- more charismatic than Paul, yet the Lord revealed to him that those sign gifts were going to cease. God revealed it to him. And God told him that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, if you look there, notice what it says. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And so the question has always been, when? When would these gifts cease? And so tonight and next week, we're going to be focusing in on that question. When did the sign gifts cease? And so for us to do that, I want to lay this foundation tonight, like I said at the very beginning. I I want us to really break down the epistles, the the letters that were written by the Apostle Paul, and understand the order by which they were written. In the Word of God, when you're looking at the the New Testament, how is it broken down? How is it subdivided? Does anybody want to help me out with that? I've talked a lot about this this past year, but how is it subdivided? All right, You start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which would be called the what? Help me out. The Gospels, All right, if you didn't know that, just say it with me right now, it might help you remember. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, good, appreciate all three of you doing that, that was great, all right? The, the Gospels, and then we get to the book of Acts, the book of Acts is right there between the Gospels and the Epistles, and you have the Gospels, I mean, the Acts is what kind of book, what kind of book is it? Historical, Historical. it's history, if you go to the library, you're going to look it up, it'd be under the history, all right? And so you see the way it's broken up. You have, you have the Gospels, you then have history of the church, the beginning of the church, what happened there, and then you have the epistles that follow that. All right? And it's the Pauline epistles that happen after that. The Pauline epistles, are they written in chronological order, yes or no? No, they're not. They're not written in chronological order. For that matter, the Bible's not written in chronological order unless you say Genesis is the beginning and Revelation is the end. Yes, we understand that. And there are times when they do go in chronological order, but that's not necessarily the way it's all arranged. It's not. It's arranged by topic and then arranged by, uh, perhaps by author and then by size. All right? So that's the way it's that put together. I'm giving you this. I hope this is helping you because a lot of people open the Word of God. They don't understand what they're reading. It doesn't make sense to them because they don't understand how the Word of God is put together. It's like going into a library and reading from one book to the next and not understanding the connection. You have to make the connection of understanding what type of book it is, why it's there, and, and, and putting it in the proper context. When you're rightly dividing the word of truth, you have to put the word of God in proper context. You have to put it right historically. You have to put it right culturally. You have to put it right as, even as far as uh, chronologically to better understand what's going on. And so I, I would hope that tonight this will help you with that. All right, so the, we look at the, the, the timeline of Paul's ministry. Let's go back to the very beginning of his ministry. We see this covered in great detail in, in the book of Acts. We've been covering the book of Acts, talking about it. And in Acts chapter 9, something tremendous happened in the apostle Paul's life. His name was Saul. What happened in Acts chapter 9? Does anybody know? What happened there? He saw the light. Yeah, he saw the light, absolutely. The road to Damascus. On the road to Damascus, he got saved. He was born again, became a child of God. And so that happened in Acts chapter 9. And Paul's going to go on to write 13 letters in the New Testament. From the, letter, um, uh, uh, from the letter of Romans to the letter of Philemon, the Apostle Paul wrote those letters. Now, epistle is a word that means letter, just so you understand that. So if you hear, they're interchangeable. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And when we remember that Paul is the subject of at least half of the book of Acts, it starts in chapter 9, we see much of the book of Acts is devoted to what Paul did. Half of the book of Acts is devoted to what he did in his ministry. And then you see 13 books, that are epistles that he wrote um, that, that much of the New Testament is written by him or about him. There's a lot that the Apostle Paul, and you've heard that before. I know uh, you've heard that. So Paul's letters then, they're arranged in two different principles and groups. The letters to the churches are the first group of epistles or letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. We have, the, as far as that, I'm saying as far as what we have in, in our Bible tonight. And you have the Word of God there before you. And so there's letters to the churches. Um, there are nine letters from Romans to 2 Thessalonians. And then there's four letters written to individuals. Did Anybody name one letter that was written to an individual by the Apostle Paul? 2 Timothy. Timothy, good, that's the very last. What else? Anybody? First Timothy. For, good job. Randy, you're right on fire tonight. First and 2 Timothy, help me out, another one. You're afraid because you're afraid you're going to say the wrong answer. If you don't, I won't laugh. I won't say anything. When I get put on the spot in church, sometimes I can't think. I, get, I start getting nervous. But just do, do your best. What do you think? It's all right. Epistles that were written to individuals. Philemon, good. Another one. One more. Titus, good. Now, if you didn't know the answer to that, you should. You should. That's why we're having a Bible study. Maybe you should take notes. I mean, seriously, if you don't know that those people are individuals, you have come a long ways in your Christian walk, and you don't have the answer to that yet. That is not healthy for a child of God to rightly divide the Word of God, to understand that, all right? That's why we're doing this. It's important. And I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I'm just saying that's why we're studying it. We need to know these things. If you stumble into that with your child and don't have the answer to it, it's going to make us look rather ignorant when it comes to the Word of God. And, and so that's why we're going through this. It's hard to say that tongues stop and to not have a principle and not even understand how the Word of God is put together in a time frame. We, can't, we have to look at this. So I'm challenging you tonight. I think we should be challenged. I'm supposed to provoke you. That's what pastors are supposed to do. Did you know that? I am supposed to do that. And so I'm trying to challenge you tonight. We, we don't want to just sit through school and not get anything from it. Make sure you're learning. And so we see that there's the, the, the first um, letters, the first nine letters from Romans to 2 Thessalonians um, are written to churches or groups of churches. And then we have four letters written to individuals. And um, there, every one of these letters now, they're arranged in your Bible by size. All right, now with that said, with the challenge being given, What is the biggest epistle that was written to a church? It's all arranged by size. It's the very first epistle, Pauline epistle. It's the very first book after the book of Acts. Does anybody know? I'm starting to worry. You guys are really worrying me. What book is it? Romans! Good! I see some of you, you're saying it, but you're, not, you're, not, you're afraid to say it out loud. It's Romans! That's the. Why is Romans first after the book of Acts and the Pauline epistles? Why is Romans first? It's the biggest book. Good. Alright, you guys, are, this is wonderful. We're moving forward now. Alright, so the biggest book is Romans. Was that the one that was written first? No. Okay, good. Alright, so I'm making sure that we understand. So it's arranged by length. We start with Romans, the longest, and then you have First and Second Corinthians, and then you have Galatians and etc. We go right down the line and it's all written by size, not by chronological order. It's written by size. So longer letters are first, shorter ones are later. All right. So to understand when the sign gifts cease, we need to read Paul's letters in the order in which he wrote them. We've got to look at it chronologically. And so when we arrange the letters in the order that they were written, it becomes very clear. It's not hard to figure out. So let's break it down. Let's see it. Let's look at the Apostle Paul's letters. Let's break them down in order. I want us to look at them. And like I said, tonight we're laying a lot of foundation for really answering the question of when did it cease. We're going to be able to delve into that more next week. But the first thing I want us to notice is that um, Paul, he wrote them down. And the first six of Paul's letters can be fit into the book of Acts. And so uh, if you look at, remember I said from Acts chapter 9 when he got saved to the Apostle Paul... We see the book of Acts covers the actual ministry of the Apostle Paul, and it covers six of the books that he wrote. And so the first one that we see, the very first epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote, is the letter to the Galatians, to the churches of Galatia. Does anybody know where Galatia is at? Modern day, where is Galatia? Anybody know? Greece, that area. Macedonia area all right, Greece, that area. So, if you're thinking about that, that would be in that area. Okay, so the churches of Galatia would have been in that that area, and so the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, remember they they, they left, they went on the first missionary journey. They went to Galatia, which is a general region, and went to many cities like Antioch, Lystra, uh, De- Deborah, many different, uh, Durba, excuse me, many different places that they went to. And so uh, soon after Paul returned from this journey, he wrote the letter to the Galatians and said, All right, in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now if you read Galatians, you see that they obviously been led astray by Judaizers that had come in and put them back under the law. Telling them that they had to follow, if they're going to really be a, a, a good Christian, they needed to be following the Jewish tradition that they had already been following, that, that they'd been set, go back under the law, basically, is what he's saying. But the point that I'm making here is this. I marvel that you're so soon removed. It wasn't long after his missionary journey that he wrote this letter back to them. All right, so, so put this in the context of what's happening. When the Apostle Paul wrote to these churches, what had already happened prior to him writing? Anybody know? Why was he writing them? What had happened prior? This, this is a kind of a complex, but the very simplest answer. People got saved there. He had gone on his missionary journey. He had planted the church there. He had discipled many of them. He had then got through that missionary journey. He gets back, you might say, to home base, and he starts to hear about what's going on. He gets reports about what's going on back at those home churches. Uh, those churches that he had planted, not his home church, but back that he planted. And so then he writes to them, trying to direct them and guide them, and to give them instruction on how they should live, what they should do. And so he writes the very first epistle that was written by the Apostle Paul was Galatians. He writes back to them, and trying to get them back in track of you know, being saved by grace alone, not by works. And trying to get them to understand that they, they have been set free from the law, and um, trying to help them. And so Galatians was written soon after Paul returned from his first journey. And the way we know that is because in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, I'm not going to bring it up right now, but that's that's where we read about it. We see his journey. Who wrote the book of Acts? We talked about this extensively. Who wrote the book of Acts? Who is the author? Luke is. What other book in the Bible did Luke write? Andy? Andy? Yeah, good job, Andy. Good to see Andy back. I'll tell you what, Andy, so glad to have you back here. Um, And so we have to understand, okay, so I I, I say that again because I remember last time I asked that question because I had one of my daughters grew up in my home and later said, I didn't realize Luke was the one that wrote Acts. And I go, oh. And it wasn't because she didn't hear it. We have to be told it again and again. And sometimes we don't get it the first time. And so it's, it's important that we understand that. Okay, So anyway, so the apostle, the, Luke had written this down. Luke had traveled. He traveled with Peter. He traveled with the apostles. He travels with Paul. He's writing these things down. And he writes down the apostle Paul, the missionary journey that he went on. And, so, and then we see here that, that uh, because of what Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, that it was soon after he had made that first missionary journey. And so this makes Galatians the earliest of Paul's letters. The next letters that Paul wrote are the two letters to the Thessalonians or to the church at Thessalonica. So it's first and second Thessalonians. It's two different letters. That's what that means. He just sent two letters to them. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, in his second missionary journey, he came to Thessalonica and he preached there. Many were saved, but Paul was driven out of town. Paul continued on to Corinth. He wrote the two letters to the Thessalonians while he was in Corinth, establishing the work in Corinth. And uh, Timothy's uh, return from Macedonia mentioned um, in Acts chapter 18, verse 5, is also reported in 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. So that's how we're able to make that connection, knowing that. And In 2 Thessalonians 2, 5, Paul, he reminds the Thessalonians of his teaching as um, if it had not been very long that, since he had been there. So if you look at that, you can just see that he's not been long since he was there. So this happened very quickly. Uh, after he had been at Thessalonica, he's in Corinth. And so he's writing First and Second Thessalonians that can be placed. You can see, you can see where he's writing in Acts chapter 18 during Paul's ministry there in Corinth that makes the, the, them the second and third epistles that the apostle Paul wrote. And the next two letters that Paul wrote are two letters that were written to the church at Corinth. That's 1st and 2nd Corinthians. In Acts chapter 18, Paul spent a year and a half ministering at Corinth. So during that year and a half time, he had written back to the church there at Thessalonica. And now he'd spent a year and a half there establishing the work at Corinth. And in Acts chapter 18, um, it says that he'd spent a year and a half there. Then uh, verse 11, it says, and he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And he later, now he returns back to his home base at Antioch. You can see that in chapter uh, 18, verse 22, where it says, And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And uh, Caesarea is right on, right on the Mediterranean. Um, it's a city that was named after Caesar. Uh, it had been won in honor of him, and it had great, beautiful buildings. Um, anybody know the future for Paul, what, how he, uh, he leaves Caesarea. Uh, For the last time, do you know where he's headed to? Anybody anybody know? He's been tried by King Agrippa right there on the shore, right by by, the big palace right there. He's going to be put in jail right there. Um, He's then loaded up on a ship from Caesarea. He's going to sail out and end up in Rome. All right, so this is a time on his missionary journey, he comes back, he says he's gone up um, and and saluted the church. He went down to Antioch from there, um, back to his home base at Antioch. Later, in his third missionary journey, he arrived at Ephesus. His ministry in Ephesus extended all the way through Acts chapter 19. Um, it was a period of more than two years he was there. All right, um, look at, Why don't you jump over to Acts, if you would. Go to Acts chapter 19. I remember looking at so many verses here in Acts. I should have had you turn there. Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verse number 10. I hope that when you read through Acts, that what we're studying right now will help you to understand what's happening when you're reading Acts as well, putting it in context. Acts chapter 19, look at verse 10, and this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And so for two, uh, of two years, he was there um, and, uh, at Ephesus and ministering there. Um, it's here in Ephesus uh, during Acts 19 that Paul wrote to back to Corinth, 1 Corinthians. While he was at Ephesus, he wrote back to Corinth. He had heard once again. What were some of the things that were going on at Corinth as the reason why he wrote 1 Corinthians? Does anybody know? Why did he write 1 Corinthians? Yes, sir. Well, what episode was ancestral relationship? Yeah, incest- yeah, bad, terrible relationship going on. Um, a sexual relationship within the family—terrible thing that was going on. How can you imagine? Can you imagine getting that news, hearing about the church we had planted—that this is what's going on there? And and how did the church uh, accept that, or did they take a stand against it? They didn't. They—it was—and <laughs> he talked about things that are that aren't even named among the Gentiles or, named. You know, shouldn't be named. It's terrible thing. What's another thing? Anybody know? First Corinthians themes. Do we know heresies, divisions, divisiveness, uh, riot, righteous living, um, making a mockery of the Lord's supper by eating and, and, and making it into a party type situation. There, there's so many things so that, you know, you just look at the book written. Uh, there's a big one too, that we've kind of been talking about. Anybody else First Corinthians, we kind of started with the very first verse we looked at tonight yeah, the sign gifts and speaking in tongues um, and so Paul he writes back to them, and he's talking about trying to get them back in order, but we see that he writes back the first and second Corinthians are written um, while he's at Ephesus of and so um Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 1 and 2 Corinthians. Actually, Paul, Paul uh, in Ephesus, Macedonia. And then the next book that the Apostle Paul wrote, we're talking about chronologically now, is the book of Romans. In Acts chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, Paul arrived in Greece. And um, in Corinth again, he spent three months there enjoying the hospitality of a believer. His name was Gaius. Um, he's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. Um, there were Paul, he mentions in that verse there that he had baptized Gaius. Um, Paul had only baptized two. There was a big another dispute that was going on about people bragging about who had baptized them. And Paul says, I've only baptized two. And Gaius was one of them. Obviously, Gaius would have been one that uh, the Apostle Paul had built a relationship. Can you imagine spending you know, that much time there at Corinth and a year and a half and, and, and b- this being one of the men that you baptized? He had discipled him. He had taught him. And so it was a man that, that um, actually hosted him. When he came back to Corinth, that's who he stayed with. He stayed with Gaius. And um, it, we know that because um, Romans chapter 16, verse 23, in the, the epistle that he wrote to the Roman church, he, in verse 23, he says, Gaius, mine host of the whole church saluteth you. Um, and so he, he basically is saying here, I, that I'm at his house. So he's writing now the book of Romans. Um, this is the last letter that's written during the book of Acts. And so in Acts 21, verse 33, Paul is arrested in Jerusalem. He'd spend the next five years in prison, right through the end of the book of Acts. And so to sum it up, we have seen so far from Acts chapter 9 through Acts chapter 28, we read of the earlier ministry of the Apostle Paul. We find that during these years, he wrote six of his 13 epistles, or letters. Um, So the order of the first six books are these. And up on the screen there, we see... Acts chapter 14, you know, we see it, uh, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, Acts 18, 2 Thessalonians, Acts 18, 1 Corinthians, Acts 19, 2 Corinthians, Acts 20, and then Romans, Acts 20. And then in Acts 21, Paul's arrested, remained a prisoner all the way through to Acts 28 and beyond. All right, so that's that, now we're out of the book of Acts. While he was still a prisoner now in Rome, Paul, he wrote four letters. And these are what are are called the prison epistles. While Paul was in prison, he wrote these letters. It's the Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. Um, These are the letters that he wrote while he was in prison. Um, And uh, so in each of these letters, we know that he was in prison because he talks of himself being in bonds. Being in bonds, uh, uh, Ephesians 6.20, for which I am ambassador in bonds, he says. Colossians 4.18, he says, "...the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds." Here he is in prison. Philemon, verse 13, "...whom I would have uh, retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel." And then Philippians 1.13, "...so that by my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places." God had a will for him, and God allowed him to be there so he could manifest the gospel." And so here we see he's in bonds all, the, all through these different epistles. So Paul was released from his imprisonment then. He continued his ministry for a few years. Some say about three years. We don't know 100% sure, but about three years. And during this time, he wrote three letters known as the pastoral epistles. Now, let me ask you, why are they called the pastoral epistles? Do you know? Do you know why they're called the pastoral epistles? If you, have you ever heard them called the Pastoral Epistles? I remember the first time I, I'd heard that, I didn't understand. What is that talking about? So, why is it called the Pastoral Epistles? If you know, just throw your hand up. Brother Andy. What? You say someone else? Yeah. Nobody else raised their hand, Brother Andy. <laughs> because he was writing to preacher boys. Yeah, to preacher boys. Exactly right. He's writing to Timothy and Titus, these, these fellow servants in ministry, men that he was training and, and helping them. And praise the Lord for that. You know, when we talk about all this, talking about Paul, obviously the Holy Spirit of God was working through Paul and and penning all of this. And, And these situations that took place the Apostle Paul addressed helps us today to be able to address the similar situations that we face. And for me, this is a personal thing, even though these pastoral epistles aren't just for pastors, there's a whole lot in there that really help pastors a lot. And the polity of the church, how the church should be run, the leadership in the church, the qualifications for the leadership within the church, is found inside these epistles, and they're called the pastoral epistles. And so, um, he wrote to Pastor Timothy and Titus, and so the, 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 we see those letters. Finally, at the end of his life, he is again now in prison. The Apostle Paul, um, he has you know he's been in prison. He's been gone through so many different things. Now, the last time he is in prison. And he writes the very last book, the last epistle of his life, and that's to 2 Timothy. And you can go and read that, and, and it's, it's actually very very touching and amazing um, what Paul says. And, and, um, but that's the last epistle that he wrote. And so we've surveyed tonight the 13 letters written by the Apostle Paul. We arranged them in order in which the, the Apostle Paul wrote them. And so let's go back and review it just once again. During the book of Acts, there are six letters the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote Galatians, the Thessalonian letters, the Corinthian letters, and Romans. Of course, they're not. This is the chronological order. In our Bible, they're not in that order. They are actually in order based on um, size, uh, size. But this is the actual chronological order: Galatians, the Thessalonian letters, the Corinthian letters, and Romans. Over several years, these were written. And then after the book of Acts ends, there's seven more letters that are written. There are the four prison epistles: Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon. And Philippians, and then once again, all of those are put together. Not um, uh, in our Bible, they're put together um, by size. Um, the, the list that I'm sharing with you is by by actual chronological order, by the time the time frame in which it took place. And then the last three epistles that were written were Titus, First Timothy, and Second Timothy. All right. So now that we understand how the Bible is put together. And looking at these 13 letters and, and understanding the chronological order of them, let's see why they, what they tell us and why we go to this and study this as to why, uh, to answer the question of when did the signed gifts cease? When did they cease? Um, in the first six letters, all written during the period covered by the book of Acts, we find that the sign gifts were operating in all of these churches. We could find the sign gifts happening throughout the book of Acts. We see it happening, every epistle that was written during that time. And and so we read of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing. All through the book of Acts, we see that. For example, tongues and prophecy in Acts chapter 19, verse 6. The gift of prophecy in Acts 21, uh, 10 through 14. The gift of healing in Acts 19, 11 through 12, uh, chapter 28, verses 8 and 9. And in the Acts epistles, we read of the gifts operating in the churches that Paul founded. Um, In Galatians chapter 3 verse 5, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 20, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, chapter 12, chapter 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 2, Romans chapter 12 verse 6. All of these letters were, were read, we read about the gifts in operation right through the end of the book of Acts. So during the book of Acts, the Lord uh, during that time, we see the Apostle Paul wrote of it in the, uh, when he wrote in First Corinthians. He, th- the Lord had revealed to him that the sign gifts were going to cease in First Corinthians, chapter thirteen, verses eight through twelve. We looked at verse eight tonight, and the, the gifts were all in operation all through the Book of Acts. Period. They're mentioned in the letters written during that time, but the Lord had revealed the sign gifts are going to cease at some time in the future. And so throughout all the time during the book, book of Acts, we see that. Okay, what were the sign gifts? What are some of the sign gifts? Let's just talk about it for just a moment. We're not just talking about tongues here. What are some of the sign gifts? Healing. Okay, healing, right. Did Paul heal people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of healing did he do? Do you know? Yeah, raise people from the, he did raise people from the dead. All kinds of people were healed. You know, you see this on TV today. They say that if you send so much money, they'll send you a handkerchief that has been blessed by the Holy Spirit, and they're going to put some special oil on that, anointing oil, and send that to you. And if you'll grab that, it will heal you. Where do they get that from in the Bible? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. People actually were healed by touching Paul's handkerchiefs. Now, why isn't that happening today? What's that? We don't have Paul's handkerchiefs. Amen. Good answer, man. That was the best answer tonight. Thank you, Isaiah. I appreciate that. Did I just say Isaiah? Yeah, I got it right. I get mixed up. I say Isaac sometimes, and I say Isaiah. I call Isaac Isaiah anyway. So I'm not, you guys aren't the only ones that struggle with names and stuff like that. I do it all the time. But yeah, they didn't have Paul's handkerchiefs. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Huh. It's not around today. The These same people that talk about this type of stuff, are they raising anybody from the dead? No. Yes or no? No. Are they walking on water? No. No. Okay, a New Testament experience would have been walking. They say, don't you want the New te- We've talked about this in depth. You want the New Testament experience? Why don't you go walk on water? Why don't you raise somebody from the dead? You're not seeing that. It's not happening. Why is it not happening? Because God's different today than he was then, right? No. That's not why. If God was still using sign gifts today, then why wouldn't God use the same sign gifts? He doesn't. It's not today. There's a problem. Why are people saying that there's tongues and yet they don't use tongues in the context of what the Bible says tongues are? They talk about some heavenly language, a language of angels that they're babbling in an unknown tongue. No, that's not what the Bible talks about at all. The Apostle Paul, if anything, he is actually using it as an analogy. If I had the tongue of angels... If I was able to speak like an angel and yet didn't have charity, agape love, then my speech means nothing. It's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. All it is is nothing but sound, noise. That's what Paul was saying. He wasn't alluding to the fact that he was speaking like an angel. I'm talking about a language like an angel. Not at all. We, and we've, already, we've already covered that. But, so What's happened? What's going on here? And, and We see it happening through the book of Acts. And, we can, and if you study it deeper, you can see it in the epistles that were written during the time frame of the book of Acts. So what happened? Well, we see in one of the epistles the apostle wrote during the time of the book of the Acts, um, the apostle Paul, as it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he talked very clearly that, look at verse number 8 once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 8, go back there if you would. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known, also as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Paul's making a transition here. He's talking about what's going to happen. There's going to be a change, there's things that are happening. All right, And then at, after he speaks about that, he's trying to put in the proper context of the greatest of what is supposed to be, which is charity, which is agape love. He then gives guidelines in, in chapter number 14 about if you're going to do the, the use sign gift, this is what you're supposed to do. When you're speaking in tongues, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Even though he gives the preface of, it's going to cease. It's going to have a, a time when it's going to stop. So when the gift of tongues ceased, when when was it? When is it? And so when we turn to the prison epistles, all right, we see all through the book of Acts, we see all these epistles were written during that time. When you turn to the prison epistles, the four letters written shortly after the end of the book of Acts while Paul was in prison there in Rome, the Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, and Philippians, we find that there's not one word about tongues or the gifts of healing inside any of those books. Not one mention of it. All right, so you see it through the book of Acts. Paul, he writes the fact that it's going to cease. And then, now we see it does cease. He don't see it in any of those, those, those epistles the apostle Paul wrote. So even wh- where we might have expected Paul to write of tongues in the passage about being filled with the Spirit, he doesn't talk about it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it doesn't say anything about speaking in tongues being one of the, the gifts of the Spirit at all. I mean you would expect him in that that, that, that if you're putting the, if you're going to put it in the perfect spot for a Christian to say that we're supposed to speak in tongues, would you not include it with the gift of the Spirit? Absolutely, but he says nothing of it. This is after it had ceased. We see it. And, and as for the gift of healing, we read of a co-worker of Paul, Epaphroditus, who fell seriously ill during the time um, of Paul, uh that, that uh during this time, Philippians chapter two, verses twenty-five through thirty speaks of it. Paul no longer had the gift of healing. He had a co-worker, a man that he cared for and loved. He couldn't heal him. I mean, we just talked about the fact that people prior to that, they touched the handkerchief of the Apostle Paul and they were healed. But now the Apostle Paul has a man that he cares for greatly. He doesn't heal him. Why doesn't he heal him? All right, Because the gift, the sign gifts have ceased at this point. We see it. No longer is able to heal the way he did in Acts chapter 28, verse 9. And so the sign gifts were no longer operating at the time Paul wrote the prison epistles. Do we see tongues in the pastoral epistles? Remember, the pastoral epistles are written to who? Pastors. And giving direction on how to run the church. And so if you would think that if the church is going to have to know how to have the proper polity or the way the church runs, the way you do things, you would think that he would put something in there that would guide those pastors into how to to handle the gifts of speaking in tongues or healing, would you not? But yet you don't see that there anywhere. You don't see it through the pastoral epistles at all. Matter of fact, uh, here you go, I'm going to give you one. Paul tells Timothy to do something when Timothy's not feeling well. What does he tell him to do? Yeah, take some NyQuil, amen. Baptist bourbon, as as Pastor Paul Barnes says. A, A little bit of wine for the belly. In that day, they didn't have NyQuil. And so using them medicinally, all right? He doesn't tell him, hey, you go get uh, one of the brothers to come and heal you, or I'm going to send you my napkin, and it's going to make your tummy feel better. He doesn't say that. Why? Because the sign gifts have ended at this point. We don't see it. We don't see it in the prison epistles. We don't see it in the pastoral epistles. It's nowhere to be found. Now, why wouldn't it be found? Yet it's found inside the, the epistles that were written during the time of Acts. What's happened? What's taken place? Yep. Yeah, it ceased. It's that simple. It's not hard to figure out. We don't see it anymore. Where, where the confusion comes in is that people will look at the New Testament and not put it in chronological order, and they'll say, Well, I see it in this book, and I see it in that book. I see it here. It seems to be all over the New Testament. Now, when you put it in chronological order. You see a time when God was using it for a purpose, for a time, for God's people as a sign. It was a sign gift to God's people. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was fulfilling the prophecy and also showing God's people that these men were from God. And they were signed gifts to the Jews to reveal to them that these men were speaking from God. And that's what it was for. It was for a specific time and a place. It was for the very beginning of the church. It was for a birth of the church. It was for a specific time and place to establish the church. It went through, and we saw it happening. Not only was it for the Jews, but then Jews were with Gentiles. And remember how Peter, we talked about this about last month, how Peter had gone to the Gentiles. And remember, Peter was a Jew that, I mean, he did not want for the Gentiles. He had been taught well the Gentiles were unclean. And God had in a vision had to guide him. And if you remember how that he went, and how that the, now the Gentiles spoke in tongues after receiving the Holy Spirit, and so we see transitional things that happen in the Book of Acts that were never to be repeated, but we're establishing the fact that it wasn't just for the for the Jew, but for the Greek, and also for the barbarian, or for the the, the Gentiles. Of course, we're, you know what we are, don't you? If you're from Germanic. Uh, actually, anybody outside the Greek, would have been, they would have called barbarians. So this guy's a barbarian right here. I knew it. <laughs> I saw a picture of him today when he was 20, I don't know, 20 years old. He had a great big fro, man, a big red fro. you got to have him show you a barbarian. He would have been definitely a barbarian, no doubt about that. I, I'm having some fun with that. But when we talk about that, I'm so thankful that the Word of God... It, it, very, it makes it very plain and clear. We see the transition that takes place. God's working with Jews. He, it, we see him reaching out to the Gentiles. We see how the Holy Spirit of God was not specifically just for the Jews. The gospel wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles and then for the entire world. And we see where God used the sign gifts was for a specific time and place. And now we see the Apostle Paul, as, by the inspiration of God, said it's going to cease. And it did. It did. And so we never see that in in those epistles. Again, um, where you would expect to see it, in Ephesians. You would expect to see it in the pastoral epistles. Uh, The sign gifts, speaking about that, are completely silent. And we see that. So when Paul gives Timothy Titus instructions, we don't see it listed there at all. Um, They're no longer in operation at this time. And so it's clear that the gift of healing has ceased, um, and we see that he's no longer able to heal. We see that the gift of tongues no longer being spoken about, and, and we see that over and over again. Um, and so, in summary, the sign gifts, tongues, prophecy, the gift of healing, etc., were operating all through the book of Acts, and these gifts are mentioned then, but then not mentioned after that. We no longer see that after that. And so, arranging them in the proper order, um, we see through the book of Acts all the epistles that were written um, that, it, that it existed. And so the pattern could not be any clearer. Um, you, you couldn't make a, a bigger contrast uh, and sharper contrast between the early letters and the latter letters. We see it in black and white. It's very obvious for a person that's actually asking God to open their eyes to see the truth. And so when did they cease? When did these sign gifts cease? They ceased when God said that they would. And God did cease those gifts. And we see that they ceased after God had accomplished what the purpose of them were. And they ended after the book of Acts. No longer do we see it after that chronologically. There's no record in scripture of any sign gifts operating after the book of Acts. Now when I say that, you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about during that time frame. I'm talking about the epistles that were written during the time frame of the book of Acts. Um, and so I'm going to stop right there tonight. Um, I'm going to give a, a few more pointers on this next week, but I, I hope that this is a, will help you and this is not just something to try to help with sign gifts, but try to help us understand the way the Word of God is put together and understanding when we're what we're reading and, and, and how it all comes together. Um, a good study for you to do sometime would be looking at um, the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, looking at a study that would show you in map form where he went and when he, while he was there, the time frame. I think it would be uh, something that would really benefit you. Let's, yes. You can get a Bible reading plan that's chronological in order. Um, that's one thing we do actually have that. Um, if you're looking for a Bible reading plan for this year, we have it out there already. You can grab that. It will help you to read through the Bible in a year chronologically. You can also buy a chronological Bible. My wife has one. Um, it's very. It's a good study. It's really good. Um, but there's books that you can do that with. Um, you don't have to do it that way, but it does. I would. I would recommend it if you've never done a chronological. Bible read, I would encourage it. I think it would really help put things in context. Um, it, in a lot of ways, it would really help in the Old Testament as well, as you're reading through. And We haven't even touched that tonight, but it's very, at times, confusing if you don't put things chronologically in order when you're reading the Old Testament and having that. So I would encourage that. Yeah. That's like what was talking about this morning. I misinterpreted uh, Isaiah chapter, chapter three. 3. Yeah. And, and it's so important that we rightly divide the Word of God. And we have to be studying the Word of God, students of the Word of God. And maybe tonight, by us challenging with some of these questions, I hope it's provoking you into good works. Because if you didn't know most of the answers, or a lot of them, we need to study more. We really do. And I need to teach more. And That's why I'm doing this. I believe it's, God has laid it on my heart that I really want to properly teach so that we can grow and have a firm foundation. And so I would encourage you, um, you can't learn unless you're taught, and a person can't teach unless you're willing to learn. And that it goes hand in hand. And so I challenge you with that. Let's all stand up. Good to see you tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. I pray, Lord, that we would make it.